0: It is April 24th. I am Levi Johnny Griffin and welcome to Word Today. The topic of today's conversation is planning for success, a guide to conquering sin. I get calls, I get asked, I have meetings all about how do you not sin? How do you avoid sin? How do you conquer sin and death? How do you just grab it by the head, break its neck and walk away? Hail to the conquering hero. (laughs) That when we come right back. So how do you have victory over sin? How do you conquer sin and death? Well, I just have two very, very simple steps for you and one or two, maybe three or four stories. Um, But let's get into the first step. Uh, Hopefully you're taking notes because this is some really, really good stuff. So the first step is simply know that God has already forgiven you of your sin. Now, you may be thinking, why would I need to know that God has forgiven me for my sin? I, I think I know that God has forgiven me for my sin. I just need to uh, be able to conquer sin so I'm not falling in and out of sin repeatedly. Well, I've talked to a lot, lot, lot. Let that echo. Lot, lot, lot. That was me doing the sound effect. I, I, I probably have an echo button, but that was easier. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was that. I, I've spoken with a lot of people. I've spoken with a lot of people. Um, and they all struggle with sin and forgiveness. One thing that guilt does is it will push you back into the sin. It's kind of like if you just came out of a very chlorinated pool um, and you were walking on the, the sidelines, you, you got out and you grabbed your towel and you're still dripping with the chlorine. You're like, you know what? I'll just jump back in. It's, it, let's do it. But if you get out and you take a shower, you're all clean, you, know, you threw some clothes on, you're not likely to get back into that water. Or if you're in a dirty pond and you're just you swimming in a lake or something, uh, once you get out in the shower and get all clean, put on your perfume or cologne, put on the high heels or the boots and the belt buckle, the cowboy hat or whatever, the baseball cap, the fitted, whatever you wear, um, and get nice, put in your earrings or your whatever, you're not likely to jump back into the pond. So the devil has to convince you that you're not clean. He has to convince you that you're still covered in the pond water or still covered in the chlorine. It gets you it gets you in the mind frame that hey, if I'm dirty, then I'll just go back to it. And some people do it willingly. It's a willing uh, go, you know, a willing venture back to the sin. Like, I'm. you know, I'm I'm already dirty. You know, I, God hasn't forgiven me. He can't forgive me. i have just messed up time and time again. Why not just give myself to it? Why not just give myself over to the sin? Why not? I'm already dirty. So that's why the first step is knowing that God, you are clean. You have the perfume on. You have the, the belt buckle and the, and the, the fitted on. You have the earrings in. You've, you got the, the, uh, Audemars on your wrist. You, you're clean and you're good to go. What Jesus did at the cross, the blood that cleansed you at the cross has made you totally clean. Romans eight says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the minute you made that confession with your mouth that, hey, I am in love with Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for me on the cross. I think that sin washed away that blood on the cross, washed away my sin. The minute you make that confession, you you are clean. You are dressed up. You are you are made whole. You're no longer uh, uh, you're no longer a slave to sin. That's why I love that song. Uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear for I am a child of God. I could I could scream that every day. I absolutely love that song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to sin. God has made me strong. He's made me whole. I am clean. I don't need to get back in the pond. I don't need to get back into chlorine. I am clean. Even if I make a mistake, even if I dip my toe in, I'm still clean. Even if I fall in head first, the minute I drag myself out of there, the Holy Spirit lifts me out. I don't need to take another bath. The blood was once and for all. The minute I step out of the pool of the dirty muck water, I am instantly clean. What he did on the cross was instant, was perfect, and is forever lasting. You don't need to get re-blood bought. He already bought you. It's just kind of like if you have a child and you really love your child, they may be in trouble. They may even go to prison, but when they get out, you love them, you hug them. They're still your child. Nothing has changed just because they made a mistake. Jesus says nothing changes. My daddy doesn't, doesn't hate you just because you made a mistake. You just need to get out the mistake. But no no worries. You're clean. You're still mine. I still love you. You're still part of the family. You still eat, eat the, the, the big piece of turkey at Thanksgiving with the rest of us. You're fine. Romans 8 continues from uh, verse 1 to verse 2 and says this. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah, somebody. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So some people say, well, there was an old law, Old Testament. And then there was a new law or a new redemption, Jesus Christ. And, and, and it's explained right here. The old law was perfect. The, the sacrificing of lambs and bulls and bullocks was perfect. The weakness wasn't in God's law. The weakness was in our flesh. That's the weakness. A weakness even exists in the New Testament. I will get to that. But the weakness in the Old Testament was people just began to uh, sell items and treat the, the house of uh, prayer, the house of God, like a marketplace. They had priests that were crooked, not honoring God that were not doing the right things by the sacrifices. And the system was perfect. The people working the system were flawed. And he says in verse 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, weakened by sinful man, could not do. It wasn't the law that was weak, it was the flesh of man that was weak. And he and he fixed it by what? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That means when Jesus' body died, sin died. When your body dies, sin dies. But your spirit rises just like Jesus' spirit rises. The Bible tells us we'll rise in Christ. We'll rise from the dead in Christ. Verse 4. In order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Think about it. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, does that mean that we walk perfect? No, it just means that our desires are changed. And it explains that here. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's how you know that you've been saved. When you're setting your mind on things of the flesh, you're trying to go, I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to hit the club. I'm My my desire is the flesh. And if that, hey, if, if that's you right now, don't feel convicted. I'm praying with you, brother. I'm praying with you. Sister, praying that God strengthens you. That way, when you're ready to go party, you go find a church that, that that got it turned up and you go party inside of there. I tell you, when I go to service, you think that I'm out partying somewhere. You think that uh some party music was on. Because in my mind, party music is on with the, 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 the music of worship, with the music of praise. I dance, I jump, I shout, I sing. Fall in love with God. And his music will become your party music. You'll still party. The Bible says that David praised until his clothes fell off. I'm not telling you to go that hard. But I'm telling you that there is life in Jesus Christ. Now, it it continues to be part of six. Says this, a be part of five. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. That's righteous living and evangelism. Those that, those that are flesh set their minds on things that are flesh. Now think about a pig and dove. So what's the difference between a, a sinner who does something right and a righteous person that does something wrong? I'm going to tell you. Now, Samuel Wright Jr. gave me this example years ago, uh, or he's preaching and I heard this example years ago, and he said this, and it stuck with me for over a decade. He said this, there's a difference between a pig and a dove in mud. He says, a pig in mud, these are people that set their, set their minds on the things of the flesh. A pig in mud, they're oinking around. <coughs> That's my pig impersonation. <coughs> and they're having a good time in there. Uh, pardon my impersonation, but they're, they're loving it in there. They're having a good time. They're partying. They're calling over their other pig. Friend. They're oinking, oinking. <coughs> and they're the they're, they're pigs, or other pigs are coming over and they are just enjoying living in the mud. But if a dove flies too low and gets caught in the mud it is flapping its wings not because it's enjoying the mud because it's doing everything it can to get out of it david Sin And he's called a friend of God, but he went on his face in prayer. He fasted. When you sin, you feel like trash. It's not, you know, you're not enjoying it. Someone that has their mind set on things of the flesh. They're enjoying the sin while they're in the moment. They're planning on sinning again. When they're out of the moment, they were plotting to sin before the moment where a saint, they weren't trying to sin before the moment. And in the moment, they can't really necessarily enjoy it. And if they do, when they're out of the moment, they feel disgusting for having that moment. They're, they're They're feeling bad. They, and it's not you shouldn't feel bad. It's not the feeling bad that justifies it's just the fact that, you know, that you don't want to do that. It doesn't. It, it, there's a bad aftertaste to that drink. And you just don't want to do it. You're not motivated to live a lifestyle of sin. You have your mind set on the things of the spirit, which is righteous living and evangelizing, telling people about Jesus. You just happen to be a dove that flew too close to the mud. First and knowing that you can conquer sin is to know that God has already forgiven you. Don't let that hang over your head. I had a buddy, uh, tell you a story about a buddy. I had a buddy. I'll call him Sinbad uh, to hide his real name. He's from Slidell. I lived in Richmond, Virginia. I had a recording studio. He came over and worked for me. I flew him in actually to work for me in the studio. He was a really good engineer. Uh, he later ended up, uh, doing some crazy stuff and, and leaving my studio to, to work for another studio and doing some crazy stuff. And, I wasn't really happy about that. But his behavior changed because he, he wasn't a Christian anymore. He went from desiring Christian and Christian things to uh, seeking after a lot of things that weren't so Christian. Uh, and the thing was, I asked him, like, man, you are on fire. When I left Louisiana and came to Virginia to open up the studio, you were on fire, buddy. You were what happened? And he says, I couldn't do it. I couldn't live that way anymore. And I was like, why not? He's like, I couldn't do it. Every time I saw a girl and had a bad thought, I was like, oh, no, Jesus, I can't I can't think that. Oh, oh and then I I walked down the street and maybe see some money hanging out of somebody's wallet. And I was thinking, oh, no, I can't think about stealing it or taking it. And, he said, and it wasn't that he would sin. He would just walk every few steps. And, every you know, your mind plays tricks on you. Your mind thinks crazy things. And instead of saying, you know what, I'm covered under the blood of Jesus. Thoughts be gone. He would just be, he would, he would just dwell on it. He just think he, it would torture him. That he had a bad thought. Torture him to the point he says, I can't be a Christian anymore. I can't live my life in torture and in torment. You got to understand that you are forgiven. Your crazy thoughts, just say, hey, Lord, forgive me in the name of Jesus. And keep it moving. Everybody thinks crazy thoughts. Think about the most righteous person you know, your pastor, your mother, your grandmother, whoever. And I can guarantee you they've probably had three or four bad thoughts just this week, if not just in the last 30 minutes. God, cover me in the name of Jesus. Keep it moving. You are covered. That's why Jesus died. Jesus didn't die for you to be perfect. He died that way you're, you could be perfect because your sins are forgiven. Not because you never sinned, but because you'd be forgiven when you sinned. There's a difference. Item number two. There's only two of these. Item number two. In planning for success, a guide to conquering sin. And number two is simply plan for success. What do you mean? Plan for success. Think about it. If you're opening a business and, and I'm in a business class now and you we work up marketing plans, well, the market is, you know, can sustain this many new entrants and there's this is the demographics of the market. This is the income level that we're looking for. Uh, this is the area where that income level uh, live and tax bracket live. This is how we're going to market and advertise to them. This is the product that we're bringing to them that we believe can help enrich their lives, this, and we're, we're strategic. We don't just say, hey, you know, open, buy a building, open the doors and say, hey, here you go, hope this works. There's there's planning, There's there's a lot that goes into making sure that there's success. So with that, you have to plan for success. Success isn't accidental, success happens intentionally. You don't get, you don't become successful in anything by accident, like, man, I just woke up and I was the world's greatest pianist. Oh, I just woke up and I was the world's fastest runner. I just woke up and I was the world's best swimmer. Ask Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps how much they train and work. Success doesn't happen accidentally. So why do you think when you get saved that you can conquer sin just by praying or just because you got saved, sin is now gone? Just doesn't happen, Bubba. Just doesn't happen. So you have to plan for your success. How do you plan for your success? Success. I got four little items for you. Number one is to avoid the appearance of sin. First Thessalonians 5.22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. What does that mean? That means that if it looks bad, avoid it. If people see you coming out of her house at 2 a.m. or his house at 2 a.m., just avoid it. You guys could have been in there having an all-night Bible study, but if it was just you two alone, it doesn't look good. And the Bible, God says, avoid the appearance of sin. You might need to witness to one of those people in the future and they think you're shacking. It kills your witness and kills the testimony, Makes God look bad because his people look bad and we're his his representation. We got to do better. So avoid even the appearance. And you know what? Help avoiding the appearance will actually help you avoid putting yourselves in situations that are bad for you. And that's number two under plan for success. Avoid knowingly temptable situations. Yeah, you might be there to 2 a.m. for a Bible study, but at 2 a.m., that's the bewitching hour. It's real easy to look in his eyes and, and look in her eyes. And all of a sudden you hear Barry White playing in the background. Oh, I mean, it's just and things go in a whole different direction than where you were trying to take it. So by doing one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, and avoiding the appearance of evil, avoiding the appearance of sin, you actually help yourself to do two. Avoid knowingly temptable situations. If you know that you have a problem drinking, don't don't go try to praise God in a bar. You're in there trying to sing songs about Jesus and they're saying, hey, man, somebody just sent you a, some vodka up here. If, you're, if you know that you have a problem with sex, don't go try to uh, mentor women alone. Take another Christian woman and other Christian people with you. Avoid places that you know that you're weak. We know where we're weak at. We know where we're weak. Just avoid knowingly temptable Situations. Proverbs 1 and 1 puts it better than I do. ESV, it says this. Blessed is the man who walk, walks not in the counsel of the wicked. You know they're wicked or you know the situation is wicked. Why are you over there walking in it? Just avoid it. If you know it's a weak spot, just avoid it. Number three says avoid people that sin. Back to Psalms 1 and 1, the B part of that says, uh, is blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Summary, avoid people that sin. Well, you say Jesus didn't avoid people that sin. Yes, he did. And we're talking about your inner circle. Jesus' 12 disciples weren't a bunch of people that were fleshly people. They were people that loved Jesus, that obeyed Jesus, that listened to Jesus. You can't lead people that don't want to follow you. You can't lead people that don't want to follow you. The 12 disciples wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus called them and led them. Now, in the process of him walking with his 12 disciples, all kind of prostitutes, he wasn't afraid to hang with sinners. They just weren't in his inner circle. Avoid people that sin. You don't have to call them up. You don't have to hang with them. You don't have to be keen with them. But those are my friends. Those are my. Listen, the Bible says this. It says you're not a part of me. You're not part of my kingdom. You're not part of my family. This is Jesus. If you love your mother, your father, your friends, your brother, your sister, anything more, your children, your, your mom, dad, whatever. If you love them more than me, then you, you're not part of me. I need to be the greatest love of your life. So, yeah, you may love your mom, dad, but if they're causing you to sin, then leave it. The Bible says if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If a limb causes you to sin, cut it off. It says it's better to go into heaven missing a limb, missing a member than to go into hell with everything. Cut them folks off. It's okay. It's okay. If they ask you why, just tell them, hey, I, I got I'm on a different life path, man. I love you with everything. But right now, I really have to focus on this loving Jesus thing. And, and it's hard for me to love Jesus when I'm around you. I, I'm tempted to sin. I'm not better than you. Actually, man, can you come to church with me? I really need a partner in this Jesus thing. Come in and be a part of me. And the more they try to pull you into them, say, no, nah, man, I can't really hang with you at the club or at your house in here. But, man, I really want to hang with you in the church. Come to church with me. Let's hang out and party in the church. And if whenever time they offer you sin, you offer them Jesus. It, it counter. Eventually, they're either going to accept the Jesus or stop offering the sin. But either way, number three, avoid people that sin. And we're talking in your inner circle. You want to witness to everybody, but you're going to witness to strangers. You're going to witness to people that are not in your inner circle. You may know your mom and dad and, and love your mom and dad, but you're not hanging with them every day. You're not seeing them every day. You're not partying with them every day. You're witnessing to them. You're spending time with them. You love them. You have to honor them. And it could be hard when it's family because you want to see them, you want to spend time with them, and you can do that. I always say you can love people from a distance. Love them from a distance. Get your life together. Fall in love with Jesus. Invite them to your church. Tell them you want to spend time with them at church services. After church, y'all can go eat dinner together. And don't let them sneak in 30 minutes before the service ends. I've seen people do that all the time. They they sneak in 30 minutes before the service ends, and all of a sudden, you know, they think they went to church. Number four, (laughs) have an accountability partner. This is a good one. Um, and I, I don't have one. I have to to get a new one. Um, you know, I never really had an accountability partner, but it's, it's something that I need to do. It's something that we all need to do. Especially, actually, there's five steps, but it's number four, but it's something we all need to do, have an accountability partner. Uh, James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So just have someone that you're just honest with. You say, hey, man, I messed up last night. Hey, hey girl, I, I messed up last night. I did this and I did that. Someone that you can just be open with. Someone that loves Jesus. Someone that's rooted in Jesus. Someone that is on fire for Jesus. Someone that's not going to tell your business. This person needs to be stronger than you are. This person needs to be more respectable than you are. This person needs to be on a level much, much higher than you. If you're a normal church member, this person probably needs to be a minister of some sort. Um, not that they're a, above making mistakes; they can make mistakes and blab just like anybody else. It's just less likely. We're, less, we're not going to make any any human perfect. They can make mistakes, and you just have to forgive them. I, I didn't want you to blab my business, but I'm gonna have to forgive you. I just won't tell you nothing else. But find someone that we can trust that's on a level higher than us, and confess our sins to him. We're not confessing like in the Catholic sense of confessing our sins to a priest so they can absolve us of our sin. Absolve us of our sin? No, 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 no. That's Jesus and Jesus alone. He did that on the cross. This is more of an accountability uh, for two reasons. If I know I have to tell you when I sin, then it's going to make me think twice about sinning. Also, if I tell you when I sin, uh, you can speak life into me. You can see, you can, you can kind of shake me out of it. Um, James five is is James is right on point here. Um, and the fifth and the last thing is, uh, remember in three we avoided people that sin. Uh, here in five we're going to convert our inner circle to 100% born-again Christians. These are people that are on fire for Jesus. Born-again Christians on fire for Jesus. You say, okay, what about the old friends? I already told you. We got to we gotta ditch the old friends. If they want to come to church and convert, then they can be in our inner circle. But Jesus' 12 disciples loved him. They weren't perfect, but they loved him. They followed him, and they had a heart for, for God. When Jesus died, they're the ones that carried out uh, God's business. So find ministers, find pastors, find people in the church and make new friends. You have to make an effort. Hey, man, let me take you to lunch. Hey, sis, let me take you to lunch. And you make an effort to to take people to lunch and get involved in men's groups, women's groups. When they donate blood, you go donate blood with them, whatever to get in their click. And you got to work yourselves in people's lives because people are busy. You have your old set of friends because it was convenient or you guys end up working together. You had them since you were kids or you met them somewhere and you worked on their relationship. Now I know you may be an adult and you really don't want to work on making new friends, but you need to make new friends. And it is a hard effort because people are in a routine. You're in a routine. They're in a routine. So you have to break people out of their routine. I I had a guy that I really wanted to be friends with. Uh, I use this example all the time named Raymond, one of the most powerful ministers. I I, I know lives in Richmond, Virginia. Um, And it's funny because that's my brother's name as well. Uh, But uh, Oh, Ramon, a, a, a variation, but nonetheless, I had to pursue this guy for a year. I wanted to hang out with him. I thought he was on fire for Jesus, and I wanted him in my inner circle. So I pursued him, and it was literally like eight months. of, Hey, man, can you do lunch? Oh, man, I can't do lunch. Can you do this? And eventually, now we're best of friends, and it's a very rich and rewarding relationship. Go have a plan for success. You want something bad enough. If it was a degree, if it was money, if it was whatever, you go after it. But think about it. People in your life that are on fire for Jesus can do more in one conversation as far as speaking to your future and speaking into your life than a lifetime of chasing uh, frugality. Listen, follow the five steps uh, of the five action items in under playing for success, and follow number one: just knowing you're forgiven, uh, and you'll have a greater victory life when it comes to conquering sin. Listen, I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook: facebook.com/forward/slash. Levi Johnny Griffin hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Apple podcast platforms Google podcast platforms and Stitcher also place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it Levi Johnny Griffin for a chance to co-host a show with me hey I want to leave you with this four evidences of Christian faith one is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church, and we connect them to plenty of Christian material. Bibles, Christian books. Christian movies like The Passion, and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.